0: What's the most important thing someone could say about you? There's a lot to say about a person. We could talk about their problems, we could talk about their
1: accomplishments, we could talk about their good looks,
0: their fame, their wealth. Can say a lot about a person. The most important thing you can say about a person is what is their relation to the living God? What is the thing they worship? The most important thing about you is the thing that you prize. I sometimes would say it like this, whatever your problem is, your problem is attention to Christ. When we gather together on Sunday, we gather (laughs) to give attention to Christ. To heed Christ. Sometimes
1: we think about church in terms of what am I going to get out of it? Like, what has Jesus done for me lately? What little lesson might I learn in church that I would find useful in pursuing the things I pursue the rest of the week? How does
0: Christ serve my agenda We want church to be sort of practical in that way. There's not much
1: wrong with figuring out what the Word of God says that might help you in life. I mean, that's a good idea. To live by the Word of God is a good idea. But the principal thing, the principal thing, the thing, is how we serve Him. Now, that can sound a little bit like religion. And of course, we only serve Him having been served by Him. The Bible says we love because He loved us first. That we engage in this relationship with the living God. Is the main thing, the most important thing. And then that relationship reflects. It's impossible to avoid the reflection. If we walk in the light of God, we become light in the world. If we walk in the love of God, we become loving in the world. So, we are considering in the book of Hebrews, we are considering Christ. That's the central commandment of the book of Hebrews. Therefore,
0: consider Him. Think Him. Pay attention to Him. So, whatever else is happening in our life,
1: that's the main thing and what we do in church every Sunday and we notice that that's the main thing we think about what Christ has done for us we surrender ourselves again to him because throughout the week however surrendered we were last Sunday we pull ourselves back a little this is in our nature We declare the glory of the goodness of His grace to one another, and we are renewed in our spirits, and we again sing, I surrender, and again we proceed in life from there. All of this is grounded in the new covenant that Christ has established in His sacrifice on the cross presented before God Almighty, in order to make us one, to reconcile us together to God so that we have the life that he has in resurrection. Uh, That's a lot, isn't it?
0: You can dwell on that might know
1: the love of God which surpasses knowledge (laughs) so we're going to dig in the love of God we're going to explore the love of God and we are never going to finish that work ever I think for all eternity we will be exploring the depth of the love of God we'll be looking in our at ourselves and each other and we're going and and the more we know of it the more we will see how vast it is that the love of Christ would reach even us that's what we're learning in the book of Hebrews and we're in the middle of chapter 9 and we've been talking about the high priest And if we go back to verse verse 1 of chapter 8, we learn we have this high priest, such a high priest who's taken his seat at the right hand. And we learned that every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. And we've learned that Christ presents His sacrifice in the actual temple of God not the replica temple that was on the earth. That if he were on the earth, he wouldn't be a priest at all if he were an earthly priest because earthly priests have to be from a different tribe than his. He wasn't qualified to be a priest in the temple of earth. But he is qualified to be a priest in the temple of heaven. We sang that song, The Lion and the Lamb, That's a reference to the king, the lion of Judah, and the lamb of God. Kings are of the tribe of Judah. The priests in the old covenant were not of the tribe of Judah. You couldn't have a guy who could be priest and king. There there wasn't any such person until the king of kings is Messiah, the Lion of Judah, and the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In one person, Jesus. And he has obtained a more excellent ministry we've read in chapter 8, a mediator of a better covenant. And We learned that when he said a new covenant, he made the old covenant obsolete. You could read about this in the book of Ephesians, where we used to be two people, Jews and Gentiles, and now Gentiles and Jews have been united by the cross of Christ, which rendered obsolete the law of Moses and made us one new man in Christ and reconciled us together in one body to God
0: in Christ by the work of the cross. That's a new covenant. Then we learned that
1: priests in the Old Covenant were always going into the temple. They had to go every day, every day, every day, every day. Sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. And year after year after year, this, the big sacrifice that, where the priest entered the holiest place. And then we read in verse 11 that Christ entered the holy place once for all. For if the blood of bulls and goats was sanctified for the cleansing of the body, how much more? This is a couple of weeks ago we read. The blood of Christ will... Here's a really amazing expression. The blood of Christ will cleanse not your body, but your conscience. So the sacrifice of Christ deals with sin in a whole new
0: way like actually deals with it so that your conscience is clean that's that's stunning really your sin is dealt with so completely that you don't need to even feel guilty. So, that brings us to
1: verse 15 of chapter 9. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified "...with these rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly, as the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood, not his own, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice
0: of himself. There's a lot in there. It says
1: It begins by saying, by this he is the mediator of the new covenant. What is this? This is his entry into the heavenly holy place with his own blood.
0: So that those who have been called might receive the promised eternal inheritance. He's entering into the heavenly holy place
1: of which the earthly holy place is only an emblem. You see, the sacrifices of the Old Testament are all
0: emblems. They're they're models, if you will.
1: Like a G.I. Joe, uh, maybe not everyone knows what that is. Like a G.I. Joe is an emblem of a soldier. It's not the real thing. It's a toy, a replica. Now, I don't want to say the temple was a toy, but it is a replica, an emblem of the actual temple. So the sacrifices of Israel were made in the temple, and the sacrifices themselves are emblematic. So, Christ, with his own blood, not the blood of a lamb or a goat or a bull, brings his own blood into the holy place, that is, the real holy place. And in that way, those who have been called receive the promised eternal inheritance. There's a basis. It says since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So the sacrifices of the first covenant provided some covering but not a redemption.
0: Not a permanent release. You see, even the forgiveness that
1: was available in the sacrifices of the Old Covenant can only be actual and completed by the sacrifice of the New Covenant. All the sacrifices of the Old Covenant
0: look for the sacrifice of the New Covenant. And now,
1: a death has occurred that redeems those who are called, so that they may receive the promised eternal inheritance, not an earthly inheritance,
0: but an eternal one. And then he illustrates this with the idea of a will, just
1: like a will takes effect when the person dies, not while the person is still living, so these covenants
0: take place, they rely upon the death. They are
1: put into effect by a death, and now a death has occurred that redeems,
0: that doesn't just cover. A death that cleanses thoroughly
1: so that a person has a clean conscience.
0: How clean is your conscience? In Christ, perfectly clean. That's really something to figure out. I haven't
1: figured that out entirely. And he goes and he describes the sacrifices that established the old covenant, you know, they gathered together when they were first making this covenant with the people of Israel under Moses.
0: And they gathered everyone together and they sprinkled blood on everything. He said, This is the blood which God has commanded for you, Israel.
1: He said The law, everything was cleansed by blood. And he says, and without bloodshed, that is death, there's no release from legal obligation. There's
0: no forgiveness. And implied in that is of sin. There has to be a
1: death. And now there's been a death that actually redeems So he says it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be cleansed with these sacrifices. The heavenly things required
0: a better sacrifice. These sacrifices are not suitable in heaven. The copies were cleansed by those sacrifices The
1: heavenly temple is cleansed by a better sacrifice.
0: So even the sacrifices are copies. You can't come into heaven with the sacrifice of an animal.
1: Our sin requires the sacrifice of our own lives. In fact, in sin, we have already died. So we need, there's got to be a better sacrifice.
0: I can't even die and redeem myself from my own sin.
1: If I die, it only just satisfies justice for my sin. It doesn't guarantee me any inheritance. It doesn't actually restore me. It doesn't buy me out of my slavery. It simply seals the deal of my slavery. And certainly, I can't die for anyone else's sins
0: because if I die, I'm only paying the penalty for my own sins. We're stuck. So, this heaven, the temple, that real
1: one, requires a better sacrifice than is available among us. There's no animal sacrifice that will work. You couldn't even offer a human
0: sacrifice that will work. Heavenly things require better sacrifices. Then in verse 24. For Christ has entered.
1: Not into the holy places made with hands. Copies of the true things. But into heaven itself. To appear now in the presence of God. On our behalf. (laughs) Christ entered into heaven itself. He did not enter a made-by-hands holy place, a copy of the real one. He entered into heaven itself to present what? Himself. The sacrifice for us. He presented Himself in the presence of God on our behalf. That
0: word present means to actually be, to be shown Manifest one thing. And Christ was manifested,
1: shown, disclosed in the presence of God on our behalf. So when he hears of his cross, that's for me and for you and for us.
0: In fact, it's really for us, including me and you. Christ
1: entered himself. And it says, now, he doesn't present his offering repeatedly
0: like those old. They had to be because they weren't. They didn't really solve the problem. So the high priest entered the holy place year after year with blood. That's why it doesn't really. It's the blood that's required of you because you are. A sinner is yours, not some sheep. So these sacrifices of these animals point to the one that is the one, one of
1: us representing us and Christ in His righteousness as our great High Priest stands in the temple, the holy place of God, not where there's a box that presents the throne of God, but where there is God, the Father, seated on his throne.
0: And he comes there with his sacrifice only once.
1: It says if he was like those old priests, he'd have to be doing that all the time since the beginning of time. But He has been manifested. That's basically the same word. Himself
0: in the presence of God. He has appeared. I'll...
1: Verse 26, He has appeared, or He has been manifested, is in the perfect tense which means something happened that changed things. So they were this way, and now they're another way. He has been shown before God, and things have changed as a consequence of that. He has presented... (laughs) And I would say he's presented himself to God and to us. He has been revealed, shown, manifested once for all. Because his sacrifice is not like those other ones, with the blood of bulls and goats and sheep. His sacrifice
0: is with his own blood, And that actually accomplishes
1: our redemption. That's what we read before. A death has occurred that redeems us from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Uh, Now that tells you something, that those transgressions that had been committed under the first covenant, well, they'd been covered by the blood of all those sacrifices, but they had not actually
0: been redeemed. They, I look at it like this. This is kind of a down-to-earth way of saying
1: this maybe. The sacrifices of those animals in the old system were said to the Lord, the
0: sacrifice is coming. Please continue to spare us. Please continue to spare us because the sacrifice that heals us will come. Jesus is coming. And now he has come. He has
1: come and we know from reading Ephesians chapter 2 that he has included all of us Gentiles in the people of God. We used to be aliens and strangers, as it says there, having no place in the people of God. And now we are included, we are united into one new man and reconciled to God in one body, the body of Christ, the church. Once that has been accomplished. And so all those old sacrifices no longer required. He says this in an interesting way. He says, This has been done once for all
0: now, at the end of the ages. Now, here's something Christ's sacrifice, when was that done? Well, it was, it's been quite some time now by our standards.
1: But here's what the writer of Hebrews knows, because he's, this isn't the first time he said this. In these
0: last days, he said, back in chapter 2, I think. These last
1: days, so the last days were already on when this document was written almost 2,000 years ago. So now, at the consummation of the ages, Christ has offered himself. You see, the scripture says that in Christ, God is reconciling all things to himself. Not just you and me. Not just the body of Christ. Everything. Things in heaven, things on earth, things under the earth. Everything is resolved in Christ. The Scripture says all the promises of God are, yes, in Christ. He is the fulfillment of everything. He is the end to which everything is aimed. That's what we already read in chapter 1 of the book of Hebrews, isn't it? He's the beginning, the creator of all things. He's the conclusion of all things. And now at the culmination of the ages, That one, you could translate this several different ways. You could call this the, the coming together of all things in him. It's a big word, this word, consummation or end. It doesn't just mean when time runs out, it means the settling of all things at the time when everything's done. It reminds me of the Lord saying to our Lord, sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. That there's a thing that is happening that will reach a conclusion in him. Or we could say he's the Alpha and the Omega or he's the one who inherits all things. And in him we inherit all things. It's this end, this consummation, this coming together, the culmination of the ages. You know this word ages. It's, it's the word, if you say it twice, it means eternity. <laughs> it's also the word that means the universe or the world of things. Everything. The culmination of everything in him. So he has appeared now at the culmination of things. You realize we are now living in the culmination of things. It's happening now. Christ is building his church now. His church is. People are coming to him in faith now.
0: Well, why did he manifest himself? Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are
1: copies of the true things, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters every year, but then he would have had to suffer since the foundation of the world. As it is, he has appeared once for all at the end
0: of the ages to put away sin. To put
1: away sin. What Christ has accomplished is to set aside sin sin, to remove sin, to annul sin, to make sin not a thing. Now, I think you might notice that this is bigger than that verse we read earlier, without shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness, remission, sometimes that word is translated, no forgiveness, no release from the legal obligation of sin. That's one thing, and we certainly have that in Him. But we have something more. The annulment of sin. The putting away of sin. The removal of sin. What does the Scripture say? That He's removed your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. In Christ, there is no connection between you or sin.
0: That's how you get a clean conscience. In his death, your sin is cleansed from
1: you completely. Now, we live in this world today in which we're still sinning a lot. We still are in the battle between the flesh and the spirit So it's hard for us to see the reality that is described in this text. It's hard for us to notice that my conscience has been cleansed by the blood of Christ. So thorough is His sacrificial work for us. He has set aside sin by the sacrifice of Himself. The Scripture says in Colossians that all the record of your wrongs The whole thing was put on the cross and put to death with him. So that you died when he died. And now you have been raised as he was raised. So you have the opportunity for new life in him. You have been given the very spirit of God in him by him so that you're now free to do right and to do it for real not the imitation of right that we do in the flesh but the actual right that we do in the spirit this is the most tremendous thing possible a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. A death has, been, has occurred that redeems you, that does, in fact, grant forgiveness to you and more. It's sometimes popular to say that justification means that you now, you're considered by God has just as if you never sinned. But there's more. It's not just as if you've never sinned. I mean, it is that, but there's more than that. What you have in Christ is just as if you live. The very righteousness of Christ has been credited to you on the basis of his sacrifice, so that when God looks at you, he looks at you clothed in his righteousness. That means that life that Jesus lived from birth to death, not one single iota of sin, you get credit for that. That is way more than just back to zero, which is forgiveness. That's even more than this text describes the removal of your sin, the cleansing of your conscience. What we do is we come before God together and we receive this incredible gift and trust it. And trusting it, we walk together in the world. It's transforming. It's transforming. To know that this is true
0: of you changes you. It changes you. And you of life.
1: And you walk in the Spirit. And walking in the Spirit, you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's what's available because of this great work of Christ. What's available to me and to you. He Has been manifested once for all, now at the end of the age, to set aside sin. Praise God. Praise God. We're going to sing together in Christ alone. Let's pray. Father, it's hard to know how to respond to this reality of Christ. Lord, I, I pray that I would live a life that
0: expresses the gratitude that must flow from this amazing gift
1: that I owe you anything because all my debt is paid by Christ. But Lord, I want to live I want to experience the new life we have in Him. Lord, fill us, each of us and all of us together
0: with the Holy Spirit so that we might walk in newness of life because of the one who gave His on our behalf. It's in His name we pray. Amen.